0: of Panem, a Hunger Games podcast. My name is Claire, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm glad to have you all joining me this week. Make sure to check out my social media, which is at Tales of Panem on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok for updates, episode information, and more. This week's episode will cover chapters 19 through 22 of Catching Fire, and as usual, I'm going to start off with a brief recap of the chapters. The games begin with the usual bloodbath, but this time Katniss decides to go into the cornucopia to retrieve a bow. She is met by Finnick and is about to kill him when he reveals that he is wearing Hamish's gold bangle and calls her his ally. She reluctantly goes along with it, knowing that Hamish must want them to team up. The two of them find Mags and Pita and head off into the jungle that surrounds the cornucopia. During their search for water, Pita hits the force field that surrounds the arena, stopping his heart. Finnick is able to revive him, earning Katniss's trust in the process. They receive their first sponsor gift, a spile to tap the trees, which are filled with water. The first night, they are awoken by a poisonous fog and are forced to flee their camp. Peta is still not fully recovered, so Finnick has to carry him while Katniss carries Mags. However, the fog begins to impact their movement, and Katniss can't hold Mags anymore. Mags sacrifices herself to the fog, allowing Finnick to continue to carry Peta to safety. While they are recovering from the fog, they are attacked by monkey mutts. One of the monkeys is about to kill Peta, but the female Morphling from District 6 jumps in, and the monkey gets her instead. They escape the monkeys and bring the Morphling to the beach where she dies in Peeta's arms. They run into Joanna, Wyrus, and Beatty on the beach covered in blood from blood rain they got caught in. Joanna tells Katniss that she brought Wyrus and Beatty for her because that was the only way she would team up with her. With Wirus' help, Katniss realizes that the entire arena has been laid out like a clock. So a lot of these chapters are basically just what crazy things can the game makers come up with next? And to be fair, that's a lot of the 75th Hunger Games um, is like. What crazy, weird, messed up thing did they choose for each slice of the arena? Um, And don't worry, there's going to be more of that. So it's not just the monkeys and the fog and the blood and the wave and the lightning. There's some more to come. But I think that a big thing that we get to by the end of these chapters is establishing, like, who's in this alliance with Katniss and And so we start off with Finnick. And Katniss did initially kind of bond with mags during their training and mags and finnick are sort of like you can't have mags without finnick because they're one literally like inseparable she was his mentor actually and like they're basically family at this point point. and so that kind of gets her into an alliance with finnick but the main reason why she teams up with him is because he's wearing the gold bangle that Hamich had which was like his token because they all have their gold tokens Theta's being the the necklace. Hamish is the bangle. Which indicates to her that Hamish wants her to team up with Finnick. And as much as she maybe doesn't really like Finnick at this point, because she thinks he's, like, really over the tro- top and, like, everyone loves him and he's such a, like, charmer, you know? And that doesn't, that doesn't like, mesh well with her personality at all. Um, but she trusts Hamish enough to know that, like, if Hamish trusts Finnick, she can trust him at least enough to kind of start working with him which obviously shows a lot in terms of like how far they've come because when they first meet Hamish, they don't trust him at all they think he doesn't care about them they think he just wants to be drunk and doesn't care if they win or lose live or die so they've come a very long way in terms of like she's willing to trust Finnick just based on not even Hamish's word just this one small symbol but it's enough because her and Hamish have developed this way of communicating without words. And Hamish knows that this will be enough to signal to her, like, no, you can trust this guy. You should team up with him. It's going to be good for you. And it's going to be good for in turn PETA, which is obviously what Katniss's priority is, is getting PETA out alive, not getting herself out alive. And last she saw Hamish, they made this deal to save PETA, um, and so she's trusts that, like, whatever he's doing is in PETA's best interest, and she's willing to go along with it for PETA's sake, even if she doesn't really like Finnick at this point. But the thing that does end up gaining her trust from Finnick is when he saves PETA's life, or more accurately, brings PETA back to life, because PETA obviously hits the force field, his heart is completely stopped, but Finnick is able to restart and save his life. And this is big because this is more than just saving someone's life. This is, like, he was literally dead, and Finnick revives him. Which, if you think about it, everyone in this arena is in competition with each other, even the people that are in an alliance, because if Peeta lives, that means Finnick doesn't live. So to make the choice not just to, like, try to save him, but to, like, actively bring him back when he was already dead and Katniss would have accepted that he was dead is huge and earns her trust way more than it would if he had just, like, helped save Peta which he also does, but that's beside the point. But also this is another moment where Katniss is like, I'm forever going to be indebted to Finnick O'Dare now because he brought PETA back. Um, which there's a lot of like, the one thing that we know Katniss hates more than almost anything is owing people. She doesn't want to owe anyone. And she already feels like she owes so many people at this point. Cause it was not like a lot of people contributed to her getting out of the arena, the first arena. Um, so she owes, like, Peta for that. Hey, Mitch. Now she feels that she owes Finnick for saving Peta. And that's not something that she wants to owe anyone for. Especially when her whole goal here is to save Peta. And she wants to be able to, like, do that. But he does bring Peta back. And that is a huge way of, like, earning her trust. Because, you know, it's very... It's very selfless, honestly. Because, yeah, I mean, it helps him keep his alliance with Katniss. But, but like like I said... It would be different if Peter had gotten injured and he had helped to like heal him or whatever. It's like literally bringing him back after Katniss was like his heart stopped, he's gone. So they had have this like tentative trust that is a combination of that and also like her trusting him, bitch, which she truly does at this point. Even in the first games, it took her a while to get to where she was like, okay, I actually trust him because like, because, like he initially didn't send her any sponsor gifts and she was like, I'm literally about to die of dehydration. Can you not send me like some water? Um, but then realized that it was like a message being like, no, you're actually close to finding water, so I don't want to use sponsor money on that. And they definitely kind of adopt the same like communication method through the the sponsor gifts this time, like when they um when they get the the gifts um towards the end of this section, the the ointment for their skin and the bread from district four Katniss takes it as like, okay. If I work with Finnick, if I get along with him, I'll get more sponsorships, which means that that's obviously what Hamish wants me to be doing. And again, I trust him, so I'm going to keep doing it. I do want to talk about this kind of, where we left off last section, it was kind of like, oh, everyone is holding hands and we're all united against the Capitol. But then as soon as we get into the arena, people just start killing each other. And Katniss is a little bit taken aback by this because she's like, I like, I don't think that she expected everyone to just stand around and be like, no, we're not going to fight. But like, she's a little surprised by like the intensity and the lack of hesitation among the victors to just start killing each other, especially when most of these people have been friends for years. And she like just met them, and she already feels a bit of guilt about it. But and actually, I I do like this this scene a lot because she sees she climbs up to the tree, sees like all the dead people and realizes that, like, no one hesitated to start killing each other, um, which is a little upsetting to her. Um, And then she's like, maybe I should just kill Finnick then, because, like, I really can't trust him. Like, I know that Hamish wants us to team up, but, like, who says he's not the same as everyone else? He doesn't really seem to care that, like, all these people that he knows are dying. So when she climbs back down, ready to, like, maybe kill him, he's also, like... I know that you just saw all those bodies and you were thinking about maybe killing me. But he says this line that I literally think about all the time. And I wrote it down specifically because it's like such a good line. And it's really early on and when we know him. So it's very like defining to me about his character and his like intelligence and his understanding of the world and of other people. And the line he says is, because whatever happened in the past is in the past. And no one in this arena was a victor by chance, except maybe Peta. I just love that line so much because he he knew. He, like, when everyone was holding hands and Katniss was like, oh, maybe things will actually like change. Maybe there will be something shifted. He knew that that was not going to be the case. Because everyone in that arena, first of all, is a killer. Because they all won their games. But also, it goes back to this conversation that Katniss and Haymitch had that she actually calls back to where they were like, no decent person ever wins the games, except PETA is still good because he, I don't like, it's definitely like, not to like discredit how long he was able to survive on his own in the first games. Um, but like truly if it weren't for the like alliance or the, the change of rules that they both could win, he wouldn't have won and Katniss would have won on her own most likely. Um, So that's where the like, except maybe Peta comes from, but also it shows that to Katniss, she takes it as like Finnick knows the same thing that Hamish and I know, which is that Peta is like better than the rest of us deep down. But I also think that Finnick knows these people well enough that like, even though they are his friends and yeah, like it sucks that all your friends are literally killing each other um he never expected anything other than that because everyone in that arena is also uh, aside from being a killer is a survivor and he knows that like when it comes down to it everyone wants to live and i think that maybe katniss and peter are the only exception to that in terms of like they would rather someone else win than them but like finnig is a little different because it mags like obviously he would risk everything for mags but it's a complicated situation because she's a lot older and she's not able to like fight and and even like move that well on her own so it's a slightly different situation but like Katniss and Peeta both don't want to make it out they want the other one to make it out um and I think but I just think that this line is so I think that he, uh Finnick has a really good understanding of other people which is something that I really love about his character and makes him so interesting and it's not just that he understands them because of how much time he spent with the other victors and like being a victor himself and and mentoring and like watching other people's games but he like understands that on a fundamental level all of these people are kind of the same in that like they're not going to hesitate before killing these people that they've known for years because it's their only way out and they're all trained to do that by the fact that they've all been in the games before but the line about like no one in this arena was a victor by chance is so Like, it's such a good line because there are a lot of things that you have to be to be a victor. And every victor is different, but, like, when you boil it down, it's not surprising that everyone's going to just start killing the second they get in the arena, no matter what had happened before. Because not only do you have to be able to, like, win sponsors, but you have to be smart, you have to be able to survive, and you have to be able to kill because the chance of being able to win your games without killing a single person is like literally non-existent like you would have to get really really lucky for that to happen and like even pita did he didn't kill anyone the first person that he really killed was foxface which was like a different situation because it was like he left the berries but like he still felt really guilty about that but like he's the only one who didn't like but he the guilt that he felt about that and also just the like the lack of other people that he had killed is one of the things that like sets him apart aside from the fact that like he wouldn't have made it out if it weren't for the two of them. And honestly, if it weren't for Kat. And he knows that. like He knows that she got them out alive. And I don't think that that means that like he didn't contribute at all to their victory because that's also not true. But like she probably would have won anyway and he wouldn't have if it weren't for them being able to win together. But I also think that in the way that like I talked about last week, how a lot of the other victors might not like Katniss very much, I think that they have a very interesting look on Peeta too, because everyone kind of knows that PETA wouldn't have survived if it weren't for Katniss. And I don't think that's necessarily them seeing him as weak, but I think that it is very similar to what Katniss and Haymitch are like, he's the only like good person who have won the games. I think that Finnick probably sees it that way too. And I think that he's probably not the only one because, like, they have to watch the games every year. They know what happened in the arena. And they can see, as well as anyone else, that, like, while they are aware that Katniss is putting on this, like, act of being in love with PETA, it's equally as clear that he is not lying about being in love with her. <laughs> like, it's very clear that he actually is. And so I just think this dynamic between, like, the two of them versus the other victors is very, very interesting. And it's something that is very unique to them in the fact that they are the only people to have ever won, like two people in one year. Everyone else came out of the arena alone. Um, And I talked a bit about what that means in terms of like their recovery from the things that happened to them in the arena, but it also makes them a little more difficult to figure out for the other victors, especially when you add in that no one has ever like, met them before because they just won the previous year I know that like I've talked many million times and it's very made it very clear in the book that like Katniss's goal here is to get Peeta out alive knowing that she will not be getting out alive if that's the case but I think that like saying it and planning for it is very different than actually carrying it out because there's this um when they're running through when they're running away from the fog Katniss has this moment where she's like if I, I could leave Peter because he is injured. He can't move that well because of the the thing with the force field. Like he's not doing great. And if I left him, I could run and I could live. And that's what the old Katniss would have done. She would have prioritized her life, not even out of like a lack of caring, just out of like, she has a really good survival instinct, obviously. And it's the reason why she's gotten this far and knows that like, that is her best chance of survival truly as like, kind of morbid as that seems um and she has a moment where she's like I could do that and I there was a time in which I totally would have done that but I'm not going to do that because my goal here is to get Peter out alive and that's what I'm going to do no matter what um and I think that that moment is actually kind of huge because like I said it's like you can say oh I'm going to get Peter out alive like he's going to be this victor not me and me and Hamish are going to work together on this but then like when you're in a life or death situation and you're faced with that like there is a way, there is a way out for you very clearly. And then actively choosing to not do that for the sake of someone else is a lot, is a lot more difficult than just saying it or just like anticipating it. Because again, like it's a life or death situation and you have to make really quick split second decisions. And the, the almost easy decision would be save yourself at all costs because like who wants to get killed by painful poisonous fog? Literally no one. So I think that that is a very defining moment in that, like, it goes from, like, a an idea to, like, a reality of, a, no, I'm actually willing to risk everything to get PETA out of here. And I also think that that paired with the, like, him basically almost dying or not basically almost dying, but, like, literally kind of dying um, and being brought back is, like, she's been faced with PETA's death a lot. Because they're literally always kind of about to die in some way or another. Whether it's like Snow is going to kill them or they're going to be killed in the arena or like whatever is going on at any given moment. But this is the first time when she really has to confront like what if Peter had actually died here? And I never got to see him again or talk to him again. And he never like he literally died. And that suddenly becomes so real for her. And I think that that is also a big part of what reaffirms her decision to, like, save him no matter what the cost is for herself. um, Because she now knows, like, how bad it would be for her if he died. And on, like, a personal level, too, not on a, like, oh, he's a good person, so we need to save him, he deserves to win, blah, blah, whatever. But just on, like, what would I do if he died? And there is a a line later in the book that it's not a spoiler, so I'm just going to talk about it now because it relates to this where she basically says, like, if PETA dies, I'll never leave the arena. Like, not really. Basically saying that, like, even if she won, she would always have to live with that and, like, live with that loss. Uh, again, on, like, a personal level of, like, it would be really hard for her to lose him because she really does care about him. Um, Also on a level of, like, guilt towards, like, saying she would save him and not being able to do it. And failure, obviously, is a big component of that. One thing that I love... A lot about this book is that we sort of get to see the individual skill sets that come with living in each district. We got a little bit of it in the Hunger Games with like Katniss teaming up with Rue and obviously we know the careers have their own thing because they literally get trained just to go into the Hunger Games. But I'm talking about things that come from like living a day-to-day life in each district. Like obviously the the primary example we're in an arena filled with water and she's teamed up with people from district four is that the people from District 4 can swim, like, nobody's business. Like, even Mags, who is old and has trouble doing almost anything else, can still swim. Um, Because it's just something you have to be able to do, like, every single day very well if you live in District 4. And it's, like, common knowledge. Like, to Finnick, it's not even any thought of, like, my gosh, am I going to be able to swim? It's, like, no, it's just second nature. But a lot, honestly, probably the majority of the other tributes can't even swim. Which to think about, like, think about like in your day-to-day life, like there are definitely people I know who can't swim, but like majority of people I feel can swim, at least in my experience. But to get in this arena where like, I mean, some of these peoples have been like broken down over the years, you know, like both physically and mentally just because of everything that happened to them and old age and whatnot. But like physically, these are some of the like peak people in the country and they like that's how they, that's a big part of how they're all here and survived their games to be able to be here is because of, like, physical ability. And so for none of them to even be able to, like, swim, it's just because you don't need to. Like, the only reason Katniss knows how to swim is because she would sneak out to the lake with her dad and he taught her. But, like, Peeta doesn't know how to swim. And they get these belts for, like, flotation, obviously. But the point is, like, for someone from District 4 that's so like, yeah, of course I can swim. Obviously I do it all the time. It's it's like walking. Um, but for someone from say District 12, they are like, mm, why would I know how to swim? Like when would I have ever needed to do that? And then obviously like why are and Beady, aside from just being super smart generally, like District 3 promotes that, promotes this kind of like technical knowledge that they have because that is their specialty. And then like the thing with the spile is something that has learned from being like in the woods in District 12, you know, like there are things that are really specific to each district. And that's why it's really valuable to have a mentor from your district who like knows your district well. Like Mitch has obviously been around a long time, knows how District 12 works and knows what skill sets they are going to have that other people aren't and how to like use that to their advantage. And I just think it's really cool going back to what I was saying about what I love in this book is that like By the end of these chapters, we have an alliance between people from District 12, 4, 7, and 3. Which are very different districts if you think about, like, what each of their individual industries is. And environments and, like, the type of people who live there are all, there's, like, a huge range there. And so I think it's really interesting to put that group of people together and see, like, what does each person bring to the table in terms of, like, where they have grown up. I do have to bring up sad thing that happened in this section which is that Mags dies which like okay to be fair we all kind of saw it coming because like well one I mean going into this you just have to know like like if it's your first time reading going into this being like let's be realistic here if there's only one person coming out of this arena it's gonna be either Katniss or Peeta like I'm just like just from a like This is a book series and they are the two main characters so it'd be kind of a choice to kill them both off here and have some person that we just met live um but beyond that I mean Mags is really old and like you kind of know that she's gonna end up dying in a similar way to what she dies not that you're like obviously just gonna be killed by a poisonous fog but you know that it's gonna come down to like she can't do everything that everyone else can because she is so old and so a situation like this where it's like Finnick can't carry both of them Katniss can't carry Mags anymore and she knows it so she's willing to like sacrifice herself so that they can keep going and I think that Finnick also knew it was going to come to that I think that he's very smart and a part of that is knowing that like there is not a scenario in which she gets out alive and in order for him to get out alive he kind of has to accept that and like when the time comes be willing to let her go but he also does that to save Peeta and like like joanna says mags is literally like his family and Peta is someone that he just met and barely knows and there are obviously a lot of like reasons that that could be but this is the second time in like a day basically that he's saved pita and this time at like great personal loss so again stan finnick he's everything to me but he really did love mags a lot and one thing that I love in this series is there's a really wide range of like exploration of emotions um and I've talked I'm sure I've said before a million times how I am in awe of like how well written all the female characters in this series are so often it's just like what are we doing when you read female characters and they're just not well written and it just makes it like harder to read you know but this series doesn't suffer from that at all. Um but the thing that I think goes hand in hand with that is how well written the male characters are because you have to have both. Like it it's not enough to just be like, "Oh, here's this female character who's so well written if you're surrounding her with people who are like terrible." And I think that also, you know, we all know I hate Gale. I'm sorry for bringing him up again when he's like literally not in this section. Um but he's a very good example of like a man who is the worst and also and i think you need to have that you know like it's important to have him being terrible being like so toxic and just ugh, i hate him so much but then you have someone like Peter who balances that out who is just such a good person and also i've talked before i know about how like katniss and Peter kind of flipped this idea on its head of like what would you traditionally consider like masculine and feminine or like strong and weak um but i do love that at no point in this series is a man being portrayed as weak because he has emotions which seems like kind of the bare minimum but when you like read and consume a lot of fictional media you'd be surprised by how often it's like either oh a man is like upset so he's weak or a man is upset so let's make a joke about it but Finnick in these chapters gets to like grieve Mag's death and be really emotional about it For a very good reason, because like I said, they were extremely close and it's a really hard loss for him. And at no point is it made a joke or at no point is it like, oh, when she would just like toughen up and get over it. And I truly love that because I think that that's so important to see. And that like this is kind of a larger conversation, so I'm not going to get into it about how like the series explores different ideas of like what masculinity can actually be. It doesn't have to just be like big strong man um but that's a conversation for another day the point here is that once again Suzanne Collins never misses Vinnie Goddard is perfectly written period um you know who else is perfectly written Joanna Mason but that I that's a later conversation as well because she's really not in these chapters till like the very end um although she does it's very interesting because she shows up and she's like I literally got wires and Beatty because that was the only way. Because well, Hamish hey said you said that was the only way you would team up with me, which she never said. But she's like once again, Hamish hey has some great plan that I'm not aware of, so I'm just gonna go along with it. Um, but it's less out of frustration and more out of like, Hamish hey always has something going on, and at this point, I've learned to just trust it because he's usually right. But it is very interesting that she went to all this trouble to get these two people who she definitely didn't want to team up with, Virus and BD, First of all, like. Although they are very intelligent, yes, they're both older and can't really like fight as well at this point and would pretty much just slow someone like Joanna down who is still very young and definitely can fight and is very good at it. But she literally went to all the trouble to get them there just to team up with Katniss and Peeta. Why would she do that? I don't know. Maybe if you keep reading, you will find out. Um, but yeah, so now they're teamed with Joanna which is a huge win for me personally, a person who is obsessed with her. Um, And that means she's going to start being in the book more, which means I will be able to talk about her more. Huge win. I know that you're all looking forward to me being insane about a character who's not Hamish because up to this point, not that I'm not literally obsessed with like every other character, like Katniss, Pita would literally do anything for them. We obviously know how I feel about Finnick, but like Joanna's just on a different level. Um... And I do have, like, a million thoughts about her. And I feel like she doesn't get talked about enough um, for a multitude of reasons. So I'm going to be making it right by talking about her too much. She also has lost someone at this point, too. She lost Blight, who was from her district. And basically her outlook on that is, like, it's not like he was the greatest person ever. Like, it's not like we were best friends, whatever. But he was from home. And there's always that little extra bond between you and someone that comes from your district and someone that like understands where you come from because all the districts like i said earlier are very different and so it's only someone from your district who can really understand like what your experience has been with your district and also just like having someone that you knew and worked with die is kind of a lot obviously another death there's so much death I know that it's, like, literally the Hunger Games, and, like, they're literally in the arena, so, of course, like, everyone is dying, but, like, it hits a little different in this book because, and it's for the same reason that it does for, like, Katniss, and even more so for the other victors. It's, like, you know everyone, and, like, in the, in the first book, you know, like, some of the tributes' names, you know, like, the careers, you know of other people. Obviously, Rue is, like, the big death for that one, but, um, because it's like it's it's very different because in the first one it's like it's a different kind of like oh this is hard to read because everyone is a child and it's obviously not fun to read about um children literally killing each other and dying but this one is in the way that it's like you know all these people have already gone through this and have survived this and like don't want to be doing it again or and like seeing the deterioration of like like some of the tributes being like, how could this person possibly have won and how far downhill have things gone since then for them to be in the state that they're in? One big example of this being the Morphlings, which is what I was getting at, is the female Morphling dying. And it's so interesting because Peeta was like literally about to die again. The the monkeys were about to kill him. And then she basically like appears out of nowhere and, and they get her instead which I keep mentioning these, like, things that are actually extremely relevant going forward, but I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's not read it yet, um, so I just keep, like, mentioning them and then moving on, but next week we're gonna unpack it all, don't worry, um, but yeah, she does die, and you have this moment where, like, PETA, like, comforts her as she dies, and we talked before about how good with words PETA is, like, that's not news to anyone, but it's just, like, one of those moments where you get to see who he really is. Because I think that in the combination of, like, the games and the overall, like, stress and terror of their lives, he has few moments where he gets to, like, show who he really is. And this is definitely one of them where it's, like, one, he's comforting a person who's dying. And that's very him because he cares about other people a lot. Um, but also he's talking to her about, like, paint and colors and art and, like, something that he knows that she loves. But something that he also loves a lot. And he's able to talk about and in like a comforting way um and like painting is something that has brought him comfort like we know that from like he painted their last games as a way to help him kind of like cope with everything that has happened um and painting brings her comfort because it's one of the few things that she still found joy in after all the like drugs and horrible things that had happened in her games i'm sure um and so, using that to kind of like comfort her as she dies is like really, really emotional. Um, obviously for like a thousand reasons, but I think that I I've t- again like I hate to keep <laughs> bringing up the same points, but it's because they're running themes throughout the entire series, of like using art as a form of therapy, um, and also as a way of like processing trauma and moving forward and. Exp- and finding joy again when things are so terrible is like a huge theme of Pita's character <laughs> thinking of one moment in particular in Mockingjay that literally lives in my brain. But yeah, like the, and it's even extends to like what I talk about with Cinna of like using art or clothing or fashion or whatever as a form of rebellion too. it. Those things kind of overlap and can go hand in hand. And I think it's a huge part of, like, PETA's ability to get through things is having his painting that he, one, finds joy in, two, is something that he is good at, and three, is a way of, like, putting his emotions out onto a canvas. Like, in the way that, like, Sina puts his emotions into his designs, PETA puts his into his painting. The last, like, topic I want to hit for this episode is how people keep diverting to katniss for like healing knowledge and like finnick or or, peter refers to her as a healer and basically says that like it's in her blood and she's like no i have my father's blood the like hunting side of our family but i don't think she realizes exactly how much she's picked up just from watching her mother and prim and like yeah maybe some of it is in her blood even though she's never going to be the one to like be the healer she still retained a lot of that knowledge um and i think that it's also like helps her stay calmer in these intense situations because like she's watched her mother and prim have to treat people that are like literally on the verge of death and remain calm through it is the only way to help people but she's also picked up a lot of like healing knowledge from watching them do that over the years and so when it comes to a situation like Someone is injured and we need to do something about it quickly. Even though she would never think of herself as a healer, she's always the one to step in and be like, No, here's the best way to treat this. And I think that that's really important because it's like those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. Like she doesn't have to be either the hunter or the healer. And obviously, like the hunter is more of what she is and what she enjoys because she doesn't like enjoy the medical side of things in the way that like her mother and Prim do. In that like it's not something that she would ever want to pursue but she has both of those things within her and i think that again it's a huge reason why she was able to survive in the first arena and keep Peta alive and now keep like all of her allies alive through her knowledge of medicine and healing and like the best way to treat a wound in a scenario where you don't really have anything and that's another thing is that like District twelve has less medical supplies than pretty much any other district, um, and so she's seen she's seen her mother treat people with like snow, and pretty much nothing else. Especially when they were poorer and they couldn't afford like nice medicinal stuff, they basically just had to work with whatever was around them. And snow was obviously very easily accessible during, especially during the colder months. And so it's even different than someone from like a career district who maybe had grown up as a healer would have that knowledge because they would always have like resources available to them. Whereas she has learned to make do with basically nothing. And it's the same way that like she's able to survive on a lot less food. And she even says like, she knows how to be hungry because she's always had to have less than the people from like the wealthier districts and the wealthier families. And so that also applies to like healing and knowing the best way to help someone when you don't really have any resources at your disposal and it does keep a lot of people alive and again of course it is pita who sees that and it's not just because she helped heal him in the first arena it's because he just gets her truly he understands her in a way that gail wishes he could sorry i know gail was not relevant to that at all i just when i see the opportunity to bring up how much I don't like him I have to take it I literally have to take it so it just comes up naturally you know what I mean like sometimes you just hate Gail so much that you can work it into any conversation then obviously at the end of this chapter we have the realization that the arena is a clock um which is something that we'll definitely get into more in the book going forward um but I just love that the way that she comes to the realization is because she actually listens to Wiris because Wiris has been repeating TikTok because she is still very smart def- despite the fact that her mind is like deteriorating as she gets older and and is going through like the trauma of being back in the arena um but she knows what she's talking about even if she doesn't necessarily have the way to communicate it as well as she would like to and that's like a lot of where BD comes in is he's able to kind of interpret her thought process because they obviously are very close as well um which I love but Kat is even like, even though she doesn't really know what virus is getting at and thinks maybe it is just nonsense, kind of just goes along with her and it's like, okay, yeah, I hear you. But then through that, she realizes like, oh, this is actually not nonsense. She actually has figured out this arena better than any of us could. Um, and obviously that knowledge is going to be extremely helpful in their survival going forward because now you know that like each slice of the arena has a very specific threat for this hour so you can avoid it um because they were like the problem that they ran into was like they outrun the fog but then they run into the next slice which is where the monkeys are and then like etc but once you know where a threat is going to be at any given time and what it's going to be you can start to avoid it and know like where it's safe to be and avoid other deadly threats like the ones that they've encountered so far and so of course virus being the literal genius that she is is able to figure that out before anyone else she just doesn't have the way to like communicate it as clearly as she would like and it takes Katniss kind of like hearing her seeing everything going on hearing the gongs for 12 and the lightning and like seeing that it's noon to kind of piece it all together but it all comes back to her like listening to wires and taking her seriously in a way that no one else really does and it's a lot of the reason why she wanted wires and BD as allies in the first place Is because she was like, yeah, they're a little, like, strange, but they're still incredibly smart. And that is a very valuable skill and something that they shouldn't let go to waste, even if it takes a little bit to get there. And even if it's kind of hard to understand them at times, they know what they're doing. Thanks for joining me this week on Tales of Panem. For those of you reading along with me, next week's episode will be covering the end of Catching Fire, which is chapters 23 through 27. If you have any specific questions or topics you'd like me to cover, you can DM them to me on any social media or send them to my email, which is talesofpanam at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave a review or rating of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would be very appreciated. Thank you for listening, and I'll be back next week.